Yeah, hey, let's go ahead and start it. Uh, Mr. Dring, uh, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to be talking about Joe Lewis today. So um, I, I got some questions, but man, me being historian, podcaster, I think that, um, you know, I can read articles about this guy. I never got to train with him, but um, I know what a, an influence he's had on you and man, I would just like to document some of that and like, what, what can you tell me and our audience about uh joe lewis and i joe was a huge influence in my career from the time i first got going in martial arts i mean and uh he was on the cover of all the magazines i mean as a teenager i was watching him in the movies you know jaguar lives and force five and you know joe was in some in some movies he had some camo appearance uh, appearances and some tv shows I first met Joe Lewis in 1981 uh, at a United States Taekwondo Federation USTF uh, tournament. It was right after Jim Botin had pulled out of the ATA. Um, uh, Jim Botin had had, uh, had a string of Taekwondo uh, plus schools, uh, Nautilus uh, locations, Nautilus plus Taekwondo type places in central Arkansas. And in fact, I think he had a location in Texarkana. But at the time, I mean, he started teaching. Uh, Botin started teaching in Jacksonville, and then he opened up uh, North Little Rock, opened up in Rodney Parham, uh, had bought the old Harry Brace Roman Spa that, uh, that had, was on university, but there was no martial arts being taught there because of the Rodney Parham location. That was strictly a, a, a health club. Um, he had a location down in uh, Texarkana. Well, when Botin, just because the ATA's business model um, changed and uh, they were going to uh, require things that Botin thought, well, I innovated and developed, I shouldn't have to pay for, in a nutshell, without going into all the details. So, um, and, and they were changing uh, up there, Taekwondo, I think, uh, you know, some people would say watering it down to make it more palatable to the masses, so to speak. So anyway, there were, there were business reasons involved. So Botin broke away, then he formed the United States Taekwondo Federation. The very first tournament, Taekwondo tournament that the USTF held was in Searcy, Arkansas. And the guests were uh, Anthony the Amp Elmore, who was a world super heavyweight kickboxing champion, and Joe Lewis. So at this time, I'm wanting to say because it was early in 81, and I was a blue belt, I believe, in Taekwondo at that time. And uh, had been training for a couple of years, I'd, but uh, you know, I trained in Shotokan when I was attending college at Baylor in uh, Taekwondo when I would come back to Arkansas. Well, I had just at this time had moved back to Arkansas. Um, I'm gonna get my, uh, let me get my, uh, my timing straight here. Um, it's just 30 years ago. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. so 
anyway, he, he had, um, you know, I get to thinking now I'm doubt question myself. It could have been, I'm pretty sure it was an 81. Um, anyway, we, we broke away and I was working because I want to say I was working for Botine when he broke away from the USDF. I was working as a Nautilus instructor, working about, you know, going to college at UALR, working on my degree and, uh, training with, uh, and training. So, uh, Anthony Elmore and Bill and Joe Lewis came down and did a uh, did a seminar, and I think somewhere I still have a broken karate board, pine board, and have both wow. of those guys' signatures on that board. Well, I mean that was really cool to me. Joe was making a comeback, so he was in his 40s at the time, and had uh, was making a uh, was making a comeback. Uh, as a kickboxer and had been doing some training with Anthony Elmore at uh, Anthony's house in Memphis. So they ran over to Searcy and uh, were the guests at this, uh, guests at the uh, tournament. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, um, Keith Kirk, who uh, had a, was at that time Pasaru um, under uh, uh, Kang Ree in Memphis. Uh, Keith was uh, big on the open tournament circuit then in Arkansas and uh, definitely uh, a hardcore martial artist. He's now living in Memphis and is predominantly a, a Shotokan stylist now, uh, but a fantastic, Keith was a fantastic martial artist. And I mean, by anybody's standards then and today, you know, was, uh, was really a, a tough guy. And uh, in fact, we used to, our school, my school, and his school, we would, we often got together and sparred, you know what I mean? I'd take my guys over to his gym, and we'd work out and then go out to eat, or he'd bring his guys over to my gym, and we'd spar, and they were all really, really tough guys, you know? So, uh, when Keith, naturally, when he brought Joe in for some seminars, man, I always supported, and, uh, uh, so I, I had the opportunity to work out at a couple of Joe Lewis seminars at his school. And this is 82, 83, 84 time range, um, maybe even 85. So in that period, it was a year or two after, and uh, I was a low ranking. I mean, by this time I'd earned my black belt in Taekwondo and was uh uh, a young, you know, very, very young, young black belt, um, young man, still in college at that time, and uh, working out, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hit seminars that he went to. I mean, to me, it was cool. This I'd read about this guy in the magazines. I'd watched him on the big screen. So, and uh, he, was, he was an intense, I mean, young Joe Lewis was pretty freaking intense. And then, uh, Fast forward a little bit more and I open up my own gym and I'm sitting in my office one day and he calls me up and says, Hey, I'm going to be coming through town. Um, I'd like to know if you'd like to do a seminar. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely, man. I mean, you know, I thought it was so cool. Wow. Joe Lewis just called me, you know? Um, and so he did a couple of seminars, uh, at my school when I was on, uh, uh, the corner of JFK and McCain in the North Park Mall. That uh, and uh, he'd come through town. And he was in a van, had his wife with him. We we'd train, went out to eat, 
uh, you know, go have a bite. And it was really, uh, it was really cool. So that, uh, that was mid eighties, probably 86, 87, 88, somewhere in there. And then, uh, just lost contact with them for just a couple of years. Um, uh, I want to say 88, 89, 88 was probably the last time I, I you know, I, I trained with them and then bump forward a few more years. I moved into the, my location. Uh, I've been in this location here in Sherwood since uh, October of 89. I was in the North Park Mall after I bought the gym from, after I bought my school from Jim Botine. I moved it into my own location. I bought it in 85. I moved it into my own location, uh, open for business March 3rd, 1986. Then I moved into this location in October. So I was in the North Park Mall for three and a half years. And, and I've been here continuously since October of 89. I had a student that was into Jeet Kune Do. And of course, I, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do was my bedside. I mean, I had read that book. And uh, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm, I, I like to read, you know, so I'm a big reader and uh, still have tons of martial art books that I try to digest on a regular basis. So uh, Jeet Kune Do and Joe, that, that, and I knew that Joe had trained privately with Bruce Lee. I thought that was really uh, interesting, really cool. So I had a student that wanted to go to this uh, camp at Radford University. There's a gentleman there by the name of uh, Jerry Beasley, Dr. Jerry Beasley. And uh, he put on an RU, Radford University, Jeet Kune Do camp. And uh, this was uh, 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 various Bruce Lee people, um, Howard Williams, Ted Wong um, was, uh, was teaching uh, the first year. And then uh, that was that was great. Um, and those were at that time in American martial arts. There was a big um, there was a lot of discussion between the concept JKD guys and the what Bruce Lee was practicing at the time of his death. Original art. JKD guys, you know, so you kind of had Dan Santos crew who was best friends with, with, with Bruce Lee and really focused in on, but they were more conceptual. They were taking a lot of his concepts, but they were really going into the, you know, Pen Jack Salat and the Muay Thai and the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And, but they were using that kind of conceptual, out fighting, in fighting, trapping, grappling, and on the mat. So they were taking those, those ideas. Uh, then you have the group of guys that were training with Bruce Lee that wanted to keep doing what they were doing when they were training with Bruce. And so kind of the original art kind of guys. And it's funny to me, I see some of that paralleled with the, uh, sport jiu-jitsu versus the self-defense jiu-jitsu guys you know hey we do official gracie jiu-jitsu and then we got the brazilian jiu-jitsu and we're more you know uh, 
arose by any other name, you know, but it's kind of interesting how those history repeats itself, so to speak, because you can see the parallels. Well, I went to the JKD camp the first year and absolutely enjoyed it. Man, it was a very academic, uh, Radford is, you know, it's an Eastern university. It's beautiful in the hills of Virginia. I mean, it's absolutely uh, a gorgeous campus and uh, the training was legit and it was interesting, you know, from an academic point of view. The next year, uh, I went back because I enjoyed it so much the first year and this time, Joe Lewis was the instructor and this was in uh, 94. So Joe, uh, Joe called me up. I mean, he recognized me right away and he had just a, a brilliant memory. You know, I mean, he could recall names and faces and dates, and uh, he was very interesting like that. He was along those lines, and I'll touch on this more later, but I think he was untrained genius. You know, never went to college, but he, he was brilliant in his own way, but he, he wasn't cultivated the way the academic process cultivates you. He didn't have anybody to kind of check him and question him and guide him. Uh, but yet he was, he was, he was hyper intelligent. I mean, he was brilliant in his own ways. So when at that camp, Joe called me up and, and used me because he knew who I was. They used me as an Uki the entire camp. Cause I just hung with them. I mean, as soon as I saw he was there, I mean, I was at every one of the, classes he taught regardless of the rotation I was going to work out with Joe he was hardcore and uh and he used me as an uki the entire time and there were a couple of drills that we did that I I, I caught his attention because I was hanging with him and he made mention Joe if Joe ever said anything nice to you you wrote that down because he didn't say anything nice about anybody I mean you know Joe could be an ass that just spade a spade. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know I mean? He was, he was, he could be gruff, you know, he was curmudgeonous and gruff. And I mean, we all loved him for it. So if he, if he bothered to take the time to tell you something nice, you know, I mean, I can count on the fingers of one hand, you know, but when he did, man, you wrote it down. And, and we had did a particular round kicking drill. We were going back and forth. And, uh, and this is why I was still fighting in the ring then, you know, I mean, I was still competing and fighting in the ring and he just flat said, man, you know, most people won't, can't hang with me like that. A year later, um, I get a phone call from a guy by the name of Mark Miss Kelly, who was uh, putting together some stuff for Joe. And they asked me if I wanted to teach with Bill Wallace and Joe Lewis and, and, Jerry Beasley, and of course, Dr. Beasley was well published. You know, I mean, Radford University was one of the few places in the country where you could get a martial arts degree. And, uh, and Dr. Beasley still writes and, and, you know, he has the Karate College, which is one of the most well-known and well-respected uh, martial art camps in the world. So- Yeah, uh, uh, this guy's still alive? Dr. Beasley, oh yeah, yeah. That'd be, a, that'd be a cool uh, guy to podcast with. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. We can make that happen. Um, so that uh, he, I, I get the call going, hey, would you like to teach this uh, all-star karate camp 
with Wallace and Lewis and Beasley in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so I kind of did one of those, hang on just a second. Yes, I think I will, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, they gave me a date. Let me see if I'm free. Yes, I'm free. So that was really cool. That was my first time to get to actually share the teaching stage with, uh, with those guys. And so uh, that was in 90, uh, that was in 95. And then um, they had me start teaching at the, uh, at the Karate College in, uh, out in Radford. And so I was going out there and I taught there for a dozen years, um, drove out and, and the Karate College was really cool. And not only was I getting to spend time with Joe, but also Bill Wallace, but you know, Henzo Gracie was teaching there, uh, Go Kartavichian. Um, they were bringing in, um, it was a veritable who's who in the martial arts was coming through that camp and, and uh, Benny Urguidez and I mean, you name it, there were so many high level guys in the, uh, in the country that would go through and teach at the Karate College that at that time in my career, as far as getting nationwide notoriety and being exposed to a lot of people and um, that was huge. It was huge in my career. And it all happened because of Joe. I'd have never have had that opportunity if it weren't for, uh, if it weren't for Joe Lewis. And uh, it was, it was interesting. One of the first, you know, when the UFC first came out, it was in, uh, you know, what, December of 93 was the first UFC in uh, Denver, Colorado. Well, shortly after that, another upstart group for that style of fighting form called the IFC, the International Fighting Championship. Yeah. And so the IFC then, back then, was pretty much like Bellator is today, right? So you had, you had the UFC and then you had, had the IFC and then some other, other shows. Um, and this is pre-Pride. I mean, this was really in the early days. Well, the IFC did a show in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Joe was the commentator. And that was the first, I had a girl, the very first female four, it was a, a female tournament, it had four women in it. And it was the first women's MMA tournament in the U.S. And I had, uh, I had one of my girls fought in that. So it was interesting to go down hang out with Joe. He was commentating and then got to kind of hang out with them. So that was, uh, that was really cool. Joe was, was absolutely as far as technique goes, was brilliant. It's funny. Cause he would talk, I was talking about Bruce Lee. He'd like go, man, I don't know what Bruce Lee taught anybody else. I worked out with them personally. I was already a world champion. The first time Bruce came to Joe and wanted him to work out with them, Joe said, no. He said, because at that stage in Bruce's career, he was more doing, he was still a little more heavily influenced with the Wing Chun and, and hadn't branched out quite as much as he did a little bit later on. And the second time they, they came together, he said yes, because he felt like Bruce had gotten more into philosophy, which Joe was really heavy into philosophy and had, uh, and was really integrating lots of different arts. And Joe was still fighting then and winning the titles. So he was pressure testing 
the the concepts and theories that he and Bruce were talking about. So they uh, they had a good good relationship, and uh, uh, Joe always spoke very very highly of Bruce Lee and his athletic abilities, and spoke highly of him as a martial artist. And I think it speaks volumes, you know, because you get a lot of the old, you know, was Bruce Lee a martial artist debate, and you know he was just an. I'm like, well, look. Joe Lewis was voted by all the tough guys of his era as the greatest fighter of all time, not once, but twice, you know what I mean? He, he, at the time was the first, you know I mean? He was a world champion as a, as a, a as a full contact karate fighter and world champion as a, as a kickboxer. And he, uh, he was by all the tough guys of that era. They, they all voted Joe as the man. And Joe was going to train, and Joe was training with Bruce Lee. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't do that at the level that he's at unless you think that man's got something to offer. So I, I just, for me, that kind of settles that debate. You know, I don't really go any further. And it's funny because people talk about what generation student are you? And I go, well, honestly, you know, I'm a second generation Bruce Lee student because you know, one of my, you know, most profound mentors uh, trained with him privately, you know, so I think that's kind of interesting. And he even wrote a book about it, uh, yeah. which I which I have a, co a copy of. I'm not sure when it came out. I, I think it was the 90s, but I, I picked it up after I kind of got aware of some of the stuff you're talking about. And another reason I've like, would love, was what, wanting to talk to you about all this is just uh, kind of fill in some of the blanks. I mean, the guy's not around anymore for us to talk, talk to you and you got to read articles or like what you're saying with the, you got to find people that knew him. Yeah. Just like with the Bruce Lee connection. Oh, for sure. It, Joe was not, if nothing, I mean, he was hardcore. One of the things that put Joe ahead of his time was he was into physical culture. Joe worked out. I mean, he had a physique on him, you know, like a Greek God. I mean, he was, he was well built. He worked out hard. You got to remember that Back at that, in that era, in the uh, 60s, you know, bodybuilding wasn't exercise, fitness, weight training wasn't as much of a thing. You know, even in the NFL, people got to, you know, it's interesting. The NFL didn't incorporate strength coaches until the mid 70s. So that, that concept of, of physical culture you know, as it related, I mean, you know, you played your sport. That's how you got in shape. You know, football players, they played football. Oh, I don't need anything. You know, you want to get better at football, play football. Don't waste your time lifting those weights. <laughs> We've come, kind of come to learn, well, that's, that's not really true. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's not it. Because you look at the behemoths, you know, the, the size of the guys and the times on their 40s and how fast the game is. Well, that Joe was involved in that kind of a physical culture way before that was cool, you know, in terms of conditioning and training and strength training and was, uh, was fast as grip strength. You know, you had these captains of crush grippers and, you know. I mean, oh, I, I know, man. You got those in your truck. Yeah. I cannot squeeze them at all. <laughs> that, that guy, I mean, you know, he, was, he, could, he could do them. I mean, you know, like the three, like I couldn't, he, he had an incredible, incredible grip right up until the time he died. You know, I mean, Joe, Joe worked out. I, I 
worked out with him on several occasions and he came in uh, even next door to my gym there's a guy that's got a really complete fitness training center but does private training he was a former Mr. Arkansas and, and uh, we'd go over there Joe come in town we'd go over there and lift and I've got some weights but uh, not not enough and I've added to them over the years but uh, Joe we we always incorporated you can you know when you worked out with Joe, you worked out. You know, I was it. And sparring with Joe was absolutely no fun. His knuckles, and this is the thing that anybody that was around Joe would tell you, the size of his knuckles on his hands were grotesque. He, uh, his, his smallest knuckle was bigger than my largest, largest one. And he just had these hams for hands you know what i mean was he just genetic i mean did he condition that or yes yeah was that oh, was that yeah. drill oh, you were showing the other now training he did you know and they they trained hard in okinawa and, and he was into that kind of into that kind of conditioning uh as a young man and then uh and plus he just had big hands you know i mean he was just gifted and so uh but uh but through all the work and the knuckle work he had developed up his hands but when he hit you, I mean, uh, you could feel his knuckles through hand wraps and boxing gloves. Like you could feel each individual knuckle as they hit you. And when you stood in front of Joe, and if he was if if he was using you as an uki, it was a test of your manhood. You better, you know. I mean, I'd get in front of Joe and kind of settle down and flex up and flare because he, you know, when he gave you a, a little oomph. He was fixing to rock you, you know, from uh, one side to the other. We formed, uh, well, we formed the Joe Lewis fighting systems. And he had the Joe Lewis American karate system. And um, so a group of his black belts, we got together and, and uh, kind of spearheaded by Mike Allen um, and some others, um, created a, a new organization for him. Um, he kind of wanted, at that point in his career, he was wanting to separate himself a little bit from just karate. He didn't want to be pigeonholed. He wanted more an eclectic, you know, fighting system that uh, incorporated grappling. Joe was the first person. I remember I was at one of the seminars at Keith Kirk's school, and I'm a brand-new black belt, and he's like, what are you going to do if a big wrestler shoots at your ankles? You know, he'd wrestled in high school. I was like, I have really no idea when you put it like that, Joe. You know, I mean, at that time, everybody kind of stayed in their lane a little bit uh, as far as mixing, you know, and I was pretty eclectic before eclectic was cool. I mean, I, I had trained in Shotokan. I trained in Taekwondo. I trained with anybody that was, you know, I mean, that was any good. I, I, I kind of tried to keep that open mind and learn from a lot of sources but I'd never really been exposed to any quality grappling. He was the one, and then they were bringing at the uh, karate college, they were bringing grapplers in, you know, wrestlers and, and grapplers and ground fighters, um, you know, from, from the get-go. And uh, so that made it, and I'd all, I had that interest. I had, you know, we, talk about this at a later date but I had already had an opportunity to train with the uh, Horian in Hoist Gracie like January of 91 so in the mid 90s 
I was already, had been already on the ground for a while and we're going to these camps and Joe was really big on people being well-rounded out again, out fighting, in fighting, trapping, grappling and on the mat. And so, uh, he brought a lot of guys uh, in, and he was Joe was really picky about how who he had in front of his black belts teaching. So at these conferences, I mean, just because you had high rank with Joe didn't mean you were going to get to teach at Joe's conference. Um, he was just picky that way, you know. He was very, uh, very particular, and uh, it was uh, it was really fascinating uh, to be uh, to be around uh, to be around him. Dr. Uh, G, Dr. Mon G was one of our mentors for the Joe Lewis fighting systems. Well, Dr. G at the first kickboxing school in the country, you know, which was, you know, Burmese boxing, you know, Lethway, I mean, you know, that uh, Bando system and uh, training with Dr. G was just like history. Every time you had an opportunity to be around him, it was really cool. And these guys, you know, and Joe and Bill Wallace, and of course, Bill is another because of Joe, I mean, those two guys are, are so profoundly, and they came out of the same school in Okinawa. Joe was there first. And a I year later, that. a year after, after Joe left, Bill was there. And, uh, and then was they- Was this our armed forces? He was in the armed forces? Yeah. Okay. Joe was in the Marines and uh, Bill was in the Air Force. And they both were stationed in Okinawa and they both ended up at the same gym. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. And so they, uh, and, and they, de they, they develop their own, be due to their own stuff. Uh, Bill had blown his knee out playing judo. And so uh, he, he, that's why they call him Superfoot, is that the instructor said, well, when everybody switches sides, you just keep kicking with that leg. And so he kept one side forward, you know, and learned how to fight left side forward, did everything with his left leg. And, you know, they, they ended up developing their own styles um, based on their own physical attributes, which I think is so important. It, it, it's interesting because I hear that from so many uh, people. Well, my game, you know, with jujitsu, my game is, you know, I, I kind of, is after Marcelo Garcia, or my game is this, or my game is that. And I'm like, eh, you're not Marcelo Garcia. <laughs> you should really try to just be the best you. Now, I train with Joe, but I don't have Joe's attributes. So I tried to absorb, you know, the, the process of absorbing what is useful. I train with Bill, but, but Lord knows, you know, God didn't gift me with that fast twitch muscle fiber that Bill Wallace had in his prime but there is so much you can learn from Bill, just like there was so much I can learn from Joe. And then what you do is you filter through your own lens and you try to be the best version of you that you can be, you know, and that's always been my approach. I want uh, the blessing of studying with these guys is not to try to be just like them, but to try to learn from them the elements or aspects of their game that is going to fit with yours without trying to be, I mean, there were things that Joe did that I can't do. I don't, you know, at my size and my weight, I can't, I can't do the things he could do in his, in his prime, you know I mean? Uh, just didn't quite work, but there was so much stuff that, that could work, you know? And in his later years, Joe developed, it's funny, like boxing katas. You know, we were talking uh, as we were getting going uh, about, about katas, but you know, there's uh 
the information that he left and on putting combinations together and his mitt work and his analysis of fighters and his footwork. There is so much of that that has, uh, that has guided me in my, uh, in my career. You know, from uh, what I learned from Joe, I took for 14 years in a row, I went down to the IKF, the International Kickboxing Federation's World Amateur Championship, and I brought home world titles 14 years, you know, that I, that I went down there. And then uh, I had uh, twice, I think I had as the most or as much as anybody there. We, uh, you know, had, uh, had a couple of uh, good years. And, and, the, uh, and of course, having affiliates and bringing an Arkansas team together kind of under my banner. But a lot of the training that we would come together and do was based off of stuff that, you know, had learned, uh, that I'd learned from Joe and, and, and also learned from Bill. Uh, Joe was such a huge, huge influence. And he opened so many doors for me because when Joe told somebody, hey, you need to bring this guy in for a seminar, well, they'd bring me in for a seminar. You know, I got to uh, teach at a, at a pretty high level uh, at a lot of camps and clinics. And, you know, it was always an honor that you have somebody that was such a pioneer of American fighting. I mean, Joe was mixing martial arts before that was cool. You know, I mean, he's... Uh, uh, his integration, his early kickboxing, his uh, openness to grappling. I mean, because he wrestled in high school. He trained with Judo Jean LaBelle. Uh, you know, he was a big fan of those guys. And Henzo, uh, big fan of Henzo's. Uh, Henzo showed up at uh, right after Joe's death at, at, you know, one of the conferences to share his story and time he spent with Joe. So what a, what a huge legacy he left in in american martial arts and he was there at the beginning i mean he knew all the original players and it was just really uh it was really fascinating yeah i mean and you his organization's still going to this day and you're you're one of the ones involved in kind of carrying on the legacy is that not yeah yeah and uh we keep uh you know, Superfoot and, and Joe Lewis fighting system. I mean, these guys need to be remembered and, and, and known. They, pay, they, were, they paved the way for so many people, you know, to, uh, to learn and, to, uh, and to, develop their, uh, to develop themselves. And uh, there's a lot of great guys that, you know, and it's funny, everybody's got their Joe Lewis stories, you know. I mean, Joe traveled ex a lot, just like Bill. Um, and they were all over the place and uh, they taught with a lot of people and everybody's got their slice of the pie. You know I mean? Their, their reality of, of, of those guys. And uh, from, uh, from, you know, the Dr. Beasley to the uh, guys around the country that have been in the organizations and uh, spent time with Joe and helped them and worked with them and learned from them. And it's, you know, it's just absolutely, uh, I think it's really, uh, really a cool thing. How many total years did you get to train with him? Do you, do you know? Off and on from the time I met him until the time he died. So just shortly after 81. And then after, you know, when I got back with him, 
you know, it was, it was seminar only, but I mean, there were a lot of seminars in the, uh, in the early eighties up until about 88. And then there was about four or five years where we lost contact. And then several times a year from, uh, 90, was that 93 or 94, 94 on from 94 on, um, I didn't, I didn't miss a year and we worked out several times cause there were different camps and clinics and seminars. I hosted conferences for them. I had them in for seminars, um, and, and hosted, hosted some conferences with travel when I knew he was going to be at various conferences or other people's schools. So I got to spend a lot of time with Joe, uh, you know, training with them and working out. Did you, and you even hosted him. I think I missed it due to like the pants or this was some tournament I was at out of state or something, but you hosted him, I believe, uh, right the year he died. Am I not mistaken? Yeah, the year before is, so Joe had been in Thailand filming a movie and he flew in, um, he flew in from Thailand and I picked him up at the airport. And could kind of tell a little bit off, but it was just um, wasn't bad. I mean, it just you know we saw him so often, and he'd. Uh, How old was he at this time? Like seventies. Sorry, I know I keep asking you a lot of date questions. I'm his story, and I suck at dates. So. Yeah, no, I I do too, and. Uh, he was either late sixties or early seventies, very early. Um, I've got pictures. I was at his 60th birthday party in Tampa, Florida, and I've still got some pictures from that, uh, from that birthday party. Um, and that might've been 10 years prior. So, I mean, it, it could have been, he was, he was either late sixties, early seventies. And then we, uh, yeah. So that seminar, we did his mid-year conference at my gym and then he went, that was the end of June. And then on the, he and Bill Wallace went to Chuck Norris's ranch in Texas for the 4th of July. And Chuck Norris was the one that really was like, man, there's something off with Joe. He's not right. He needs to get checked. Something's, you know, he was having some memory issues, being forgetful. Joe, as I'd mentioned earlier, it was pretty much known for having a really, really great memory. Well, after that, he went and got, uh, he went and got checked and that's when they found out that he had, uh, that's when he found out they had brain cancer. I got the phone call. I was in the airport about to head to the international masters and seniors. So this was 2011. Um, when he found out that he had cancer and then he died in 2012. So that, uh, uh, 68 years old is, is how old he was. Yeah. 68. Okay. I knew he was late sixties. I didn't know. I couldn't remember if he'd quite hit 70 yet. Um, 
Yeah, 68. And so he, uh, yeah, he found out, he found out and then, but it was, you know, and it's a brutal process, you know, to watch, to watch that. It's just really, uh, it's really difficult to, to watch people change, you know, the physiology and just that, that path is horrible. Yeah, I can uh, only imagine I had a guy, a uh, friend of mine works at a full-time care facility come on and he, uh, he deals only, his job is to only deal with patients with dementia or some sort of a degenerative brain disorder like that, mm -hmm. uh, that makes it to where they, they may be fully catatonic or they may be lucid sometimes, but it's just, man, to hear him talk about people living with just levels of dementia it was uh it was eye-opening yeah yeah it's hard to watch somebody you care about go downhill like that um after he passed uh i had the honor of speaking at his memorial service in the evening not we all came together and had a banquet they had his funeral during the day and then that evening um various high ranks of Joe's got to uh, got to get up and speak, and I was honored to be asked to speak. I actually, Joe came out of hospice to present me with my seventh degree, so I got my uh, I got my seventh degree from Joe. I was the last person to actually receive the seventh degree black belt from Joe personally um, before he passed. And so that was an honor. I mean, he came, came over, they went and picked him up and brought him over to the conference. It was in Philadelphia and, uh, was presented my uh, seventh degree, went through, uh, that, that was, was pretty cool. Where was, where did he live for most of his life or the, the later portions? Like, I mean, I know he, he you've talked about him being in Thailand, all over the place, California, where was he living? So he's from Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, he had, uh, he had lived in, uh, so he had lived in Wilmington. I'm not sure. I know he was from North Carolina. I'm not sure if he was actually, I know that, uh, uh, might've been Raleigh area. I think he was, I think he's buried outside of Raleigh. So. He may have been originally from the Raleigh-Durham area. I'm not, not exactly sure. That's kind of kind of where he was when he towards the end there. Was that? Yeah, I think he was actually in hospice up in uh, Pennsylvania. Was where he was in the in hospice at, and then uh, he had spent some time in Florida. You know, he'd he'd lived around. He'd lived out in L.A. for a while, but then he had moved back into the North Carolina area. His, uh, his kids were there. Um, that's, that's the area that he had been in. So, and then uh, I know he was up, uh, up in uh, the King of, out, outside, of, outside of Philly was the uh, hospice that he was in there at the end, was getting treated. So, and then he was buried there in uh, Raleigh. Yeah. Well, hey, um, so just kind of, and I, I appreciate you talking about all that uh, at the end. I know that's, that's not easy to be remembering. I wouldn't, 
those would be the parts that I would want to remember all the good times, all the good memories. Yeah. You know, I get fuzzy on some of that stuff because I tend to compartmentalize and push past that. And that's not what I focus on. You know, I tell you, I remember, you know, the, like sparring with Joe, I was down in, uh, in, uh, Monroe, uh, East Monroe, Sparky McDuffie's gym in, uh, not uh, West, not East Monroe, West Monroe, Louisiana. I don't know why I said East, West Monroe. Um, that, uh, through with big old heavy leather headgear and 16 ounce gloves, he left pump knots on my forehead. Three rounds with Joe was, uh, was, was always a challenge, you know? I mean, uh, all the guys that originally got their black belt from Joe personally had to go three rounds with them. And uh, now I know how a mouse feels when he's being played with by a large cat. I mean, you know, you step up and hit somebody and nothing happens. It's always a really, really bad feeling, you know. I mean, I'm just whacking them and nothing, nothing. Just And then when he hits you, you kind of moved, you know. You just would tend to not be there anymore. But, uh, but he, he liked to laugh. You know, I mean, we, we laughed a lot and, uh, I don't know. I, I like to mess with Joe. Of course it was kind of like messing with your life, but, um, he, uh, I think he always kind of deep down respected that. So we, uh, and he, he just such an interesting, interesting character, you know, man of contrast for sure. So those are the, those are the, the, the good times and the things that I really try to hang on to. For sure. Just wrapping up, do you have uh, like a favorite memory you haven't you haven't hit on already? Something that this man, I'm never going to forget that moment with that guy. No, I mean, I uh, there's definitely flashes uh, flashes here and there. I, I uh, you know, I hold on to the times that he'd give me a rare compliment. You know, it was like. I remember him one time in High Point, North Carolina, we were teaching at a seminar. And after I got through teaching, he gave me a compliment that, um, hell, I called my dad. <laughs> I was like, hey, Joe said this. And he never says anything nice. You know, I mean, it just, it, it, it tugged at my heartstrings. Um, so it, uh, it was, those were the kind of memories that, uh, that I personally, uh, you know, meant so much because he, I mean, I worked so hard and still do. I mean, um, it's amazing how, how deeply and profoundly I was influenced from the time I was a, you know, a colored belt teenager. You know, I mean, I was just a, I was a teenage kid when I was, you know, first studying him and meeting him and being influenced by him, um, you know, through my adult years to, uh, you know, and still trying to maintain his, uh, his teachings and his, uh, and his philosophy, you know, uh, today. And that, uh, that, that's, that means so much, so much to me. And, and that's one thing. I mean, I owed, uh, you know, Joe, like I said, opened a lot of doors for me personally and influenced my career in so many ways from, you know, getting vested in grappling and ground fighting to, um, 
you know, as a coach, uh, really trying to, you know, Joe would say, hey, man, champions come and champions go. But a good coach is around for a long time. You know, I mean, sometimes one of his favorite sayings, you know, sometimes a master, always a student. So it, Joe would continue to grow. I, <clears throat> even towards the end, I can remember I got a, I would get emails from Joe. And he would include me in these email strings with all kinds of people like, you know, it was, it was interesting. But he would, he was doing video breakdown of fights up until the time he passed. Um, he would send, uh, you know, I'd get an email and you'd look at the timestamp. It was 2.30 in the morning and he'd been watching fight videos and he goes, now watch this guy at this, you know, one minute, eight seconds in the second round, he does this. Now he does it again at this time. Now watch how he sets him up with this, but then he does that and breaks the rhythm and I mean, he would do these these great analysis of of fights and these video breakdowns and you know that's uh that was that was classic joe you know the way he uh the way he operated and the way he thought you know so now i thought that was uh that was interesting and i'm looking at it you know so i show up and i'm getting ready to do my morning workout and i've got you know a couple of emails from joe you know wanting me to look at fight breakdowns and um that just it just was cool. I mean, you know, I just, how awesome was that? Yeah. Well, Mr. Dring, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about Joe. And I know we've got some more episodes planned on down the road, uh, spacing them out. And people that if are coming up like, uh, Bill Wallace, Superfoot. Um, and man, it's, you've done so much. It's, I wouldn't want to do an episode just talking to you, like, tell me everything you've done, you know, <laughs> because it, I just don't think that that could do it justice. Like a lot of the martial artists I'm talking to on my show, that is it. Like, well, how'd you get into martial arts? And they're, you know, they do jujitsu, maybe karate or something, you know, like Daniel O'Brien, that was him. But, uh, man, you've, you've, you've been in so long and, and you've trained with some incredible martial artists. I really appreciate you talking to me about, uh, about each art and, and about these influential people in your life. Well, thank you. Cause Joe, I mean, sharing these stories is huge. I don't you know. A lot of times it's not, what have you done? It's what have you done lately as a martial artist, you know, and, and uh, I guess everybody wants to sit around and talk about their glory days, but uh, that's a piece of American martial art history, you know, love them or hate them. You know, I, I was, there was a once upon a time in Hollywood, have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. Yes. We Is watched it, super it good? the other day, but there's a reference to Joe Lewis. You know, it's got a Bruce Lee scene and, a, and, and he makes a reference, you know. No, not the boxer. That asshole kickboxer, you know, karate guy or something. And it was funny. I mean, it made me, uh, made me laugh. But, uh, I mean, there's not a doubt. He left his mark on American martial arts history. And I feel really, really privileged to have, have been a part of that legacy. You know, I think that that's really, uh, for me, it's really cool. And I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to kind of share some of my, uh, some of my old stories and reminisce a little bit. It's good times. Well, it's, uh, it's great. Uh, just get, to, just getting to hear all of it. It's history and, um, it's martial arts and I love both. So, right. yeah.
That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, well, coach, I really appreciate it again. And um, I hope you have an awesome day and everybody stays safe and healthy in your direction. So, yep. Right back at you, brother. And I look forward to the next time we get to sit down. Yes, sir. I'll hit you up and we'll schedule another episode soon. Great. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye.